You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. I am your host, John Hudspeth, and we are smack dab right in the middle of October. There have been an insane amount of really, really good bucks killed lately, and I, I mean, I'm loving it. It's just, I, I don't know what's going on. Like, we we were so dry all summer it was super hot when the season started, but we just keep having these cold fronts. I think because it's been so dry that deer just kind of extra reliant on food plots and feeders and all that stuff, but there have just been so many huge, huge bucks killed in in our state and everywhere. Um, Tons of drop tines, tons of like non-typicals, tons of big typicals, just, it's, it's just been... I mean, again, awesome, but outrageous at the same time. So hopefully if you're listening to this, you're kicking back with a, you know, a strong drink with an umbrella in it or something because you have tagged one of those awesome bucks. But at the same time, a huge encouragement. If you have not killed one of those bucks, it is still 
super, super early. So please don't get disheartened yet. Don't let social media and all that stuff get to you. There is a lot, a lot of deer season left. And so we're going to talk about a little bit of that in this episode, but man, uh, let's start with this last weekend. So I did go out to the ranch. I did do a little hunting, but I wasn't really deer hunting. Um, we have just all of a sudden been completely overwhelmed with wild hogs and, and honestly coyotes too. We have way too many coyotes running around, but I feel like this kind of happens every year. We, we don't get a ton of hogs during the summer and then basically everybody starts running their deer feeders and, and the hogs just come out of the woodwork. And what's, what's odd is I have almost all of my feeders pinned. I have one feeder that's not and and I I purposely have left it unpinned for the hogs like I, I call it my sacrificial feeder I'm trying to draw the hogs to this spot so that they leave all my other spots alone but they like the hogs have just been ever like even even my cameras that are not on feeders I'm getting hog pictures almost nightly like they're just following trails and and running rampant um, so anyway, so going back to this weekend, um, I was hoping to hunt Friday evening, but I didn't got, get off work in time. Uh, and then I had to keep my baby, uh, for a little while. And I, you know, not that that's a chore. I love my daughter. I love keeping her. Um, but got up there pretty late on Friday, uh, Saturday morning, woke up early, uh, killed one hog in the morning. Oddly enough, I did not see a single deer Saturday morning, even though we had this big cold front come through. Again, I wasn't necessarily deer hunting, you know, like I had my bow just in case. Um, but I, I just thought I would see something, but didn't see a single deer. Got a hog, so I was still pretty happy. Um, during the day, did a little work. I had uh, two, I think two cameras that were not sending me pictures. Um, got one of them fixed. I, I put a extended antenna on the other one and it still is not working right. I, I don't know what the, like I had this exact same camera in this exact same spot last year and it worked just fine all year long. This year, even with the extended antenna, it's not working. And so I don't know if I need to like move the camera somewhere else and bring in a different camera or maybe take it somewhere that I know has better service just to kind of get it running. I'm not sure what's going on, but uh, anyway, that camera is still not sending pictures. Uh, but I, it is taking pictures, luckily, so I can you know check it physically. Uh, there are two decent deer there. One deer is like, I want to say he's three, maybe four. Another deer that's like two, maybe three. Both of them are future studs. Um, the older one... He already has 10 points. He's pretty dang tall, uh, but he just needs another year or two. The other deer, I, I actually contemplated culling him last year. Um, I thought he was a two-year-old last year, but looking at his body, he almost still looks two this year. He could be a three-year-old. But um, anyway, stupid wide for how young he is. He's, I'm going to say he's 18 or 19 inches wide as a two- or three-year-old. Not great time length, um, but he, he's an eight point right now. But I just think he's going to be really, really good in another, you know, like three years. And so trying to protect him. Um, but anyway, so I, I, I got some of my other cameras running. I moved a camera onto like a scrape. 
Uh, what else did I, I feel like I did so much on Saturday? Um, oh, I sighted uh, in a new rifle that I bought, which is exciting. Um, I got out my muzzleloader stuff because that's coming up in a few weeks, and just you know, looking over everything, I probably need to order a few more bullets. Um, I didn't actually shoot it, but I got all my stuff out, cleaned it, that type of thing. I plan on shooting it this weekend just to make sure everything's still good. Um, you know, it's been basically sitting under my bed for a year. And so I, I need to, you know, put it through, put a few rounds through it, make sure it's good. Just trying to stay ahead of the game, you know. Um, and then Saturday evening, I went out and had a pretty cool experience. Uh, I, I went ahead and brought the longbow. So I have one of my buck tags filled super early. And uh, I, I really need to kill some does this year. Um, I, I haven't done a great job of that in the past. Last year, I think we only killed two i think the year before that we killed three and you know we've taken two to three bucks off the property the last couple years and so um yeah we we need to take some does finally uh so anyway so i was like well you know if i'm gonna hunt i want to still kind of make it exciting and so i'm gonna take my longbow and so i went out saturday evening sitting in the blind you know it was pretty nice and cool i think i think i did have to take my shirt off when i first got in because a little warm but open the windows eventually put the shirt back on so sitting there and uh I, I catch some movement and i see a doe i was like sweet like some meat for the freezer some back strap i need to thin some does and uh you know i'm scanning around i see that there's a second doe with her i was like sweet like i'm sitting over a feeder got the longbow ready so I'm just waiting for them to come in. They're working their way in. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they take off running. I'm like, what the heck? And this little yearling buck comes sprinting from my right. And he, like, he's just ready to go. Like, he doesn't know that they're not ready to rut. He's ready to rut. He's like, what is this, you know, breeding thing? So he comes running across. And I'm like, dang it. Like, he's scared off the does. Like, they're probably not going to come in. And he's sitting there, standing there, and he's kind of looking up at him. And then all of a sudden, he looks over his right shoulder. And I'm like, oh, like, you know, could this be a good buck or something? And here comes Mr. Hog. I was like, sweet. Like, that was the other thing I was after. Like, I knew there were hogs in this area. That's part of the reason I went there. Um, so, I was like, added bonus, here comes a hog. And so, the, uh, the one, like, kind of downside of my plan was I kind of realized when he started coming in that uh, you know, I have a pin around this feeder and I realize this hog can't get inside the pin and I have a longbow, which I cannot shoot very far. And so the hog works his way all the way in and he's basically like running back and forth along the, the pin. He's like some of the corn makes it outside. And, and so he's chomping down and I'm just sitting there at the longbow. Like I can't do anything about it. And this one spot, I mean, he's perfectly broadside. He's like, probably 18, 19 yards, but he's like up against the panel and I'm not going to try to shoot, you know, through the hog panel. And so like, God, like he has to back up some. So sitting there, sitting there and he, he I mean, he's there for several minutes and finally he kind of starts working his way away. I was like, all right, this is the moment. And, uh, and I have not shot my longbow that much this year. Like last year I shot it a ton. This year I shot it a couple times and, and during the day on Saturday, I went out and shot it into a hay bale and was feeling pretty comfortable with it. Um, so, so I'm feeling pretty good sitting there. I got my, you know, my glove on and everything. And he starts kind of working his way away. And finally, he kind of starts moving to the, to the left. And I, I didn't range him. I just knew, like, I knew how far the feeder was. 
I knew how far the panel was, and he was a little bit past that. And I was like, all right, here goes nothing. And so, in the blind, with a longbow, draw back, let her fly. He's probably 23 to 25 yards, something like that. And I just, every time, uh, which I've only I've only shot my longbow at two living animals ever, two hogs. And uh, the first hog I ever shot at, I ended up hitting low. Like, I just barely scraped his belly. He got away. And, you know, this hog, he's, he's out there a little way. And, uh, <laughs> like... If you've ever shot a hog with your bow, they typically don't have time to move. Like, they have very short legs. They're bigger. They're not as fast as whitetails. So, normally, like, they don't, you don't really have to adjust for your shot. Dude, (laughs) this hog's at 25 yards. I let this arrow fly. And not only does this hog have time to, like, you know, bend and snap and kind of push away, but he actually kind of jumps. And luckily for me, because my shot would have been high. Um, aiming with a longbow is just tough, but he jumps like right into my arrow and I hit him perfectly behind the shoulder. It was a little bit high, um, but right behind the shoulder and he like runs off to the left. He does this huge loop around, goes back to my right and kind of runs back to the way he went and he goes down into this little draw. And, uh, so I'm sitting there and I'm waiting and I, I hear him do kind of like a, a death rumble, like a, and, uh, excuse my hog voice there. So I'm pumped. I'm like, dude, I just nailed this thing. And, uh, it, it was getting dark. It probably had like 10 minutes of light left. Um, I didn't bring my pistol with me or anything like that. I was like, man, I need to go look for this thing. So go ahead and climb down, got the longbow. Um, I, and that, and this is the other crazy thing. Uh, you know, like the arrow was still sticking out of him. So I knew I didn't have a complete pass through, um, but I start looking for blood, and I can't find any blood. And I know you've heard me talk that I'm, like, decently colorblind, so it's hard for me to find blood. But, like, I knew exactly where this hog was standing. And I'm looking around, and I can't find anything. Uh, but, you know, I I made a mark of where he went in, so I, I kind of knew where he was. I figured I'd just walk over there, and he'd be laying there. So I'm walking over there, and I find my arrow. And I was like, oh, sweet. So I pick my arrow up, and I'm looking at it. It's got like bubbly lung blood all over the broadhead. Um, I had about, I'd say, eight inches of penetration, something like that. There's blood all over it. There's hair on it. I was like, dude, this pig, like he's definitely right there. And so keep walking up. And again, I don't have a gun. And so I'm like, hey, pig, pig, you know, because I don't want to jump up and, and get me. Uh, walk down into the little draw and and he's just not there. And again, like I know exactly where he went in. So I'm looking on the trail, zero blood. And at this point, obviously like the arrow has come out of him. So he has to have a hole in his side. Never found a single drop of blood. Um, I walked kind of around the thicket on both sides. I walked into the thicket just a little bit, but it was so thick and it was pretty much dark at this point. All I had was my longbow. I was like, all right, I'm just it's just a hog. Like I'm just not risking it. I'm not going in there after a potentially wounded hog. And so very, very confident that he's dead. I mean, I I obviously got lung, you know, eight inches of penetration, probably got two lungs, I'm guessing. Um, but I, I ended up not recovering him, uh, which was kind of sad because it would have been my first longbow kill. Uh, but again, I just by myself in the dark with nothing but a, but a longbow. I was not going to go like crawling into the brush on my hands and knees. So 
So anyway, Saturday, I basically accomplished my goal. I killed two pigs, one in the morning, one in the evening. Um, I ended up not hunting Sunday morning. Uh, I don't remember why. I think the wind shifted a little bit. And honestly, I just haven't seen, I mean, it's it's mid-October, like I was just saying. Like, I haven't really seen any action in the morning. And so I just didn't think it was worth waking up again. Um, so yeah. That was about it. Um, I I worked on my cameras a little bit uh, Sunday and then drove home. Uh, Sunday was also my wife my uh, wife's birthday, so I didn't want to be gone too long. And so yeah, I took her to dinner, hung out with her. We took my daughter to the park. Ended up being a fantastic day, which is always good. Had to get those brownie points in. Um, I would definitely would have gotten more brownie points if I wouldn't have uh, you know stayed at the ranch Sunday morning, but. Uh, yeah, that was, that was just kind of the boat that I was in. So, so yeah, that was last weekend. Uh, this coming weekend is Youth Weekend, and uh, I'm man. To quote Will Ferrell, I am in a glass box of emotion. So I was I was ready for my nephew to hunt. You know, he hunted last year. Um, what I was not quite ready for is my niece is also going to hunt. Uh, so I was prepared for one youth hunter. I wasn't necessarily prepared for two youth hunters, uh, but my my brother kind of you know popped that on me, and, and I'm excited. Don't get me wrong, I'm excited. I love, you know, I love hunting. I love sharing hunting. That's the whole reason I have this podcast because I love sharing this passion that I have. Um, but I just I have a, um, I mean not a lot, but I have a decent amount of really nice up and coming deer that I would prefer my niece and nephew not to shoot. And so I already kind of laid that to my brother, like, hey, I got like four or five deer that are going to be no-goes. And I feel extremely selfish um, saying that. But we also have a ton of other bucks that I'm completely fine with them killing. Uh, as I mentioned already, we really need to kill some does, so I would love for them to kill it. I actually thought about offering them a uh, like $20 reward if they kill a doe just for like a little extra incentive um but i'm also very very excited so i'm going to go up there my brother's going to take his daughter i'm going to take his son who's a little older and and we're going to hunt hard this weekend um unfortunately it does not look like the conditions are going to be great it's supposed to be really warm and somehow i uh, the wind this year is really um really i don't know how to say it but i I'm questioning it because it's supposed to be warm, but we're also supposed to have a north wind, which I don't really understand how that works. But anyway, so we're looking at some tough conditions, um, but I'm very, very excited. It'll be my niece's first year hunting. It'll be my nephew's second year hunting, and I'm very, very excited for them. So can't wait for that. Really, really looking forward to it. Um, I'm excited to get to hunt with my nephew. Um yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm so excited for him to be behind the gun. I love taking people as much as I love hunting myself. I really love taking other people, and especially you know younger, newer hunters. So very very excited for that. And yeah, I think that's the update. I've man, this intro is taking way longer than I expected. So I'm gonna go ahead and shut it down. We have uh, an episode this week that I, I I think I say it in the interview. I'm almost embarrassed that it has taken me this long to set this one up. We are talking to Kevin Osborne and Austin Morton of the Oklahoma chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. And so if you are at any what, you know, into the outdoors, you have probably heard of BHA. 
nationwide organization. I have, I'm a member of like two, at least two states. Uh, and I admit in this, I'm actually not a member of the Oklahoma chapter. I need to change that. Uh, I think I first joined in Iowa at the Iowa Deer Classic. I'm also a member of the Montana chapter somehow. I don't remember how that worked out. I think I was uh, buying a preference point or something. It was like one of the options. Um, but anyway, Kevin and Austin do a great job of laying out what BHA is, you know, what they do for the hunting community, and, and more specifically what they do for hunters and anglers in Oklahoma. And so they talk about projects they've worked on. They talk about events that they hold and just do a really, really good job of laying the whole thing out. And so I don't want to take up any more of this episode. I'm going to let Kevin and Austin, you know, introduce BHA and talk about all the good stuff that they do. So that is going to do it for this intro. So that's what we got coming up. Very excited for it. Um, I'm I'm really glad that I got these on. Again, I'm almost embarrassed that it took me this long. So without further ado, we are going to get into this week's episode with BHA right after this. There is truly no place like the great outdoors in Oklahoma. When you're out in the wild, you want your wireless devices to work. Unlike other carriers, Bravado Wireless believes that coverage in rural areas is important so that you stay connected. With competitively priced plans and coverage where you need it, the mission of Bravado Wireless is to keep you connected no matter where you are. Visit bravadowireless.com or check them out at one of their retail locations. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show and today we have a fantastic episode coming up. We're talking to Kevin Osborne and Austin Morton of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. How are you guys doing today? Great. How are you doing, John? I'm um, doing so good, and yeah, with multiple people on here, sometimes it can be a little difficult, so I'm going to pick one of y'all, and uh, we'll start that way. So, uh, Kevin, real quick, before we uh, get into all the nitty-gritty here, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Kevin Osborne, um, lifelong Oklahoman. Um, came to hunting a little bit later in life, but uh, I fully embraced hunting, been fishing and camping most of my life, but the whitetail stuff is a little bit new, about six years in, so familiar with it awesome all right austin how about you uh my name's austin morton i'm a also an oklahoma native born and raised i'm from tahlequah oklahoma so um uh unlike kevin i was i was born with a fishing rod in my hand as long as i could remember and i, I had the fortune of having um you know some family that that's all we knew you know was to get outside and um hunting fish and we grew up uh you know, hunting the hunting the Illinois River bottoms, hunting um, all over northeastern Oklahoma, and um, you know, as I got older, that was something I was able to get out west and and kind of branch out and go different places, and um, so it's it's been an exciting adventure. So for me, um, it's it's been something that's always there, and um, I've got four kids, and I know Kevin has kids as well, and I, for us, it's 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 definitely about contributing and giving something back, and that's why we're here. Awesome, guys. I appreciate it. And Austin, I can't hear Tahlequah without thinking of The Red Fern Grows, one of my favorite movies growing up. And I always laugh because in that movie, Tahlequah is like the big city, you know, like the town he has to travel <laughs> to and everything. And uh, maybe not maybe not quite as much in, uh, you know, in reality. But uh, anyway, very random, not related to this topic whatsoever. So, well, it's, it's funny you say that, you know, I've talked about hunting in the Illinois River bottoms and 
um, you know, one of our partners in, in conservation is GRDA and, uh, their head water quality director is Ed Fight, and I've had the opportunity to hunt quite a bit on Ed's property down at uh, his place on the Illinois River. And it actually, a lot of that movie was filmed on his property. So well, I've done deer camp in the old house from wow. where the red fern grows. And uh, so th that place is a very special place to me. And, um, you know, again, GRDA has, has been a great partner with us. They're doing some really exciting things upriver. Um, and that's, that's some of the stuff we've been in, involved with, uh, asking some hard questions to them and they've done a great job of answering those. So, um, yeah, we love, we love that area and, um, you know, don't hunt a lot of raccoons. We, we were hard on the whitetail down there though. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That is, that is really cool. Glad I brought it up. Fun little tidbit. Well, cool guys. Well, uh, I'm, like I said, I'm very excited and I almost feel a little guilty that it's taken me this long to get y'all on the show, um, because y'all are a part of a great organization, um, backcountry hunters and anglers. And so that's what we're here to talk about today. And I was hoping kind of first off, um, just kind of the 30,000 foot view, um, just what is backcountry hunters and anglers, and then we'll bring it in a little closer, but, um, I'll let either one of y'all take the lead. Um, just to tell us a little bit about the organization. Well, Kevin, if you're okay, I'll, I don't mind kind of just laying that out. Um, you know, there's, there's just to go directly from our mission, uh, you know, our mission with backcountry hunters and anglers is to seek and ensure that North America's outdoor heritage of hunting and fishing in a natural setting through education and work on behalf of the wild public lands, waters, and wildlife. So, you know, that's the official statement. What, what that means to us is um, we're here to protect wild places. You know, um, we we all grew up, or or some of us didn't grow up, but have had access our whole lives, whether we knew it or not, to some fantastic fisheries and hunting places um, near us. And uh, Oklahoma has a little bit less of that public ground than a lot of places, which is why it's so important to us that we're here to defend that. And um, what that means is we're defending um, those places and, and keeping them wild. We want them to be as as natural as possible. Um, but also create access to those places for people to enjoy them. So um, that could mean a lot of things. Access comes in many shapes and forms, and we want to be there to defend that. Um, like I said, I got four kids, and, and I, I don't want to backslide on that at all. And um, particularly within the state of Oklahoma, there there are forces at work to, you know, chip away at that, um, whether intentional or not, they're there. And so it's important for us just to try to be that guard against that and, and to notify people and unify people around that subject. Um, that access might mean defending uh, water quality in an area that's important for habitat or spawning habitat. Um, we can talk about some, some of those projects, but um, for us, it's, it's defending access, maintaining public land for, for everyone. Um, you know, one of our favorite t-shirts, if you see somebody walking around in a t-shirt that says public landowner, that's a BHA t-shirt and it's, it's kind of a funny play on words, but it's a uniquely American idea that we have these, these public lands that um, the North American model of wildlife has, has protected the wildlife and created these public lands for us to enjoy. Um, if you go to Europe, that's not the same. Um, virtually anywhere in the world, you're not going to see it done as well as we do that. And then, you know, so you can push push your chest out a little bit as American and enjoy that, but we've got to defend that because um, it's not just going to maintain itself. Mm -hmm. Very, very true. Very true. Um, Kevin, anything to, to add to that or he pretty well cover it? 
I think Austin pretty well covered that. Okay. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's let's go down to to helicopter height then. Let's talk Oklahoma specifically. Um, so you guys are with the Oklahoma chapter of BHA. So, um, yeah, I mean, kind of the same question, but just narrowed down a little bit. When it comes to the state of Oklahoma, what are some more kind of specific things that y'all y'all are hoping to help with? Um, I'll, I'll jump in and, and, and Kevin, there's a ton of stuff here, so I know I'm going to miss some, some things, but I've just got a few things jotted down that are at the top of my mind. Um, you know, as far as projects that Oklahoma BHA has been involved with, uh, number one, we, we're very interested in maintaining a strong relationship with our department of wildlife, um, whether that's supporting our local game wardens or, um, you know, working with, with the department JD strong to, to kind of, um, bolster his initiatives uh in oklahoma we have a little bit of a different model um the wildlife department doesn't have full autonomy to make changes they have to put it through the commission and so there's there's they they do require some support from the public and and um it's important that we do that being that it aligns with with our goals which most most commonly it does and uh we we'd like to support the science support the biologists and the uh, the folks that are out there doing that hard work um so I would say that's a, a big mission, but to, to be more focused, we, we've been actively involved with several conservation events. And I, I'd, I'd like Kevin to kind of talk about some of those because he's done a great job of organizing several events um, even this year. Um, so anything that would be a, a habitat improvement or a conservation event to, to support those, we, we like to be involved in. And then from another level, it, it becomes involved politically with um you know a, a famous situation this year is the the three rivers um property down in southern oklahoma that you know we lost a large chunk of public land due to some funding and um that's something that if if we could get out ahead of in the future and we we do plan to get on ahead of in the future on things that we can help defend those those types of losses so um from a local level it's it's working with the department working with um different areas whether they're state or federal lands to to help improve them and defend them kevin uh, do you mind kind of digging in on some of the conservation projects that you've you've coordinated this year i, I mean rock creek comes to mind and um you know obviously the illinois river was a great great um cleanup down at the lower illinois with andy summers and his team um anything you would like to add yeah, I would say that's one thing we we really pride ourselves on is the the boots on the ground aspect um, as a chapter of of getting involved and giving people an opportunity to give back and help take care of the the public lands and public waters that they have access to. So, like Austin already mentioned, like we just recently had one on the Illinois River where we did a uh, a cleanup in that area um, back in June. We partnered with ODWC and uh, Quail Forever and did. Uh, habitat improvement project on the Rock Creek WMA up in Osage County. And then we've done uh, various other ones. We've partnered with ODWC at the Habern Wildlife Management Area for the last three consecutive years. So that's been, you know, a different kind of project every year working with that biologist on um, what they need help with. But that's been really, really fun to see and just see that WMA kind of progress of those um, events have taken place. And we've We've partnered with uh, the fish um, side as well in helping them build spider blocks and fish habitat and then use those in, in various lakes around the state. 
it's um it's pretty cool that you know like kevin said out at the osage um wma doing the work there they were able to do hack and squirt so you know invasive red cedar on on areas that is you know hurting quail habitat we work with the folks from quail forever and uh we went out there and got some some heavy chemicals and some machetes and just went to town on cedars um so there's some fun things controlled burns uh, one of my favorite things there's a picture of kevin covered in soot he's got a drip lander and he's walking down just burning brush and uh mm -hmm. you know so there's some really interesting things we'll do some trash cleanups which is probably the least glamorous but um you know needed and um so you kind of get involved in some some real like you said boots on the ground get some dirt under your fingernails and doing stuff that matters and uh, uh as kevin said over three years and seeing some of the changes at hayburn which is is very close to tulsa residents um, probably one of your closest WMAs to access uh, and create just some real positive, positive changes in, in these areas. So um, I will say this is take an opportunity. If you have areas that you, that are important to you, that you'd like to see conservation events, um, please feel free to reach out to us. We love coordinating these things. We, you know, if for us, it's, it's always a good time. You know, it doesn't really seem like work when you're hanging out with 20 of your best buds I'm sitting around sharing trail cam picks and, and, uh, you know, having a cold one after a hard day of work. So we really enjoy that. Mm -hmm. And those things can be a, a family event too. It's not uncommon for us to have, you know, dads and sons or husband, wives and kids and like a whole group uh, come out to do those projects together as well. So that's pretty cool. You know, see like the next generation, you know, get their hands dirty a little bit and be able to give back and make a difference. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, especially um, when it comes to those trash cleanups, those little kids are so close to the ground. You know, they, they, they just get it done. <laughs> That's right, That's right. Uh, man. Lot to lot to unpack there, and I want to back up just a little bit um, when you're kind of talking about the you know the goals of the organization and everything. And I think as hunters, we we were spoiled for a long time. You know, up until I would say maybe 15 years ago, and I'm I'm 34, so not that I can remember you know too much longer than that. Uh, but I, I just think is we basically just got to sit back and enjoy our wildlife. Nobody really messed with us. Uh, and then, you know, kind of started out West. You start seeing things get a little more dicey and, and more political overreach and, and protesters and all this stuff. And, you know, I think it's important that even though we're here in Oklahoma, which is a very conservative state, you know, rural state, that that stuff is eventually going to make it here. Um, and, and like you said, we're, we're seeing a little bit of it already. Um, so organizations like this are very important because one, y'all are usually kind of the first people to find out about it. And two, you usually end up on the front lines fighting for it. Um, and so that is, that is, you know, one huge thing that I wanted to make sure I kind of pointed out and why I wanted to have y'all on in the first place. And then, and then yes, like you're talking about just kind of the everyday doing the jobs that most people aren't going to do, you know, like very few people are just going to wake up and be like, you know what? I think I'm going to walk out to this public land and pick up trash. Um, and so, uh, you know, like I said, having somebody to just kind of get that stuff organized and get people going is super important. And so that's, that's one of the things that I just really appreciate about the organization is y'all just being leaders in those fields. Thank you. Um, it's, it's just, I think Kevin said it earlier, but you're setting that example for your kids. You know, I'll, I'll never forget. I was driving down the road with my dad. I was about 10 years old 
had a banana and I chucked that banana peel out on the side of the road and he halted to the stop, pulled over, said, go pick up your trash. And I said, dad, it'll, it'll, it'll rot away. He goes, I don't care. You don't just throw stuff out the window. So I had that in me at a young age and my dad, you know, was on me. So I think it's important for us to show these young people and to show folks that maybe didn't have an influence about picking up after yourself. You know, I, we, we've all been to that area, duck hunting or, or dove hunting, seeing that pile of shotgun shells, it just turns your stomach. Um, I, I tend to think those guys are probably not bad people. They just lacked a mentor in their life that told them what right from wrong was sometimes. Mm-hmm. So if we can, we can kind of set that example as an organization for our members and people that are coming out and are, you know, we were cleaning up on the Illinois river and we pulled a couple truckloads of trash out of there. And every fisherman on that lower Illinois stopped to thank us. It was really mm-hmm. nice because, mm-hmm. you know, they're enjoying that resource in that moment. But they see us doing that. And I think that sends a message to folks, too. They say, hey, man, these guys shouldn't be out here picking up after me. I'm going to do a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think it's little things that can make a difference. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did a, a little bit above average amount of hunting on public land last year. I found a, a sweet little hidden spot. And um, yeah, every time I went in, I was I was amazed at the amount of trash in there. But I, I fully admit, not once did I stop and pick. I think I picked up one bottle one time because I was basically about to step on it. Um, but yeah, so it uh, we basically saying that to say we could all be a little better at that. So sure. Um, no, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna say you know we you were kind of talking about nationally. Um, we we touched on some local projects, but I think there's some pretty exciting things happening nationally with BHA two that affect affect us on a on a local level. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the biggest wins last year was I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Wyoming Corner Crossing case. I am. Um, yeah. But um, you know, BHA was integral in in providing financial and legal support to those teams and. That's something we're really proud of that, you know, that's overturned and we now have a little bit of a precedent to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's kind of a disgusting situation. And for those that don't know about I, it, I was going to say, if you, wanna... would, if you wouldn't mind expand on a little bit for the listeners in case somebody doesn't know what you're talking about. I'll, I'll do my very best, but um, basically the, the gist of it is, is we don't really have too much of this here because a lot of our school fund land has been, um, has been sold off, but in, in some of your Western States, particularly you have what imagine a checkerboard where you have you know your red and black pieces or your white and black um, pieces and and on the corner of where those squares meet where the four squares meet you may have a red and a red and then a white and white diagonal from each other now um, that's the way the land is laid out in a lot of our western states so to access some of that land you would have to cross one of those corners to go to from public to public but in the mindset of our our legal powers that be whether it's judges or courts um that had not been well defined so you had uh, some guys from missouri that went in and were elk hunting and they had crossed a corner to get on public land from public to public but the other diagonal corners um, were private and the the landowners of that property had actually tried to prevent them from going through by putting some T-posts in. So they actually brought a ladder, put a ladder up, hauled a ladder in the back country, put it up. So they in no way laid foot on that ground. Well, they were prosecuted in the end, even though the game warden and the local authorities didn't want to, their hand was kind of forced. And the, this very wealthy individual um, pressed the bet and um, took it to the courts and, 
Um, you know, common sense to, to the average person would say, well, if you step a foot over and you don't actually touch their land, then you're just going through the air. And, and I think their argument was the airspace there was theirs. And it gets real dicey. So um, long story short, common sense prevailed and that was overturned. And those guys um, walked away scot-free and um, it was a huge, huge victory. You would think it's common sense, but sometimes things are not defined by our courts. And mm -hmm. so um, it, it has a little bit more clarity now. And I think there's probably going to be some more elk shot on some chunks of ground that, <laughs> you know, weren't able to be accessed this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, I've been keeping up with that story and, and definitely glad the, the guys got away, but um, yeah, I'm real curious to see, cause you know, there's going to be a bunch more of those cases this year, guys licking their chops saying that you can't keep me out anymore. So um, yeah, we, we may need some more BHA funding before this is all said and done. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but cool. Um, if you wouldn't mind, just before we kind of move on to the next step, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the one project y'all been working on just to kind of give some people the idea of kind of the different, you know, scope and projects. Uh, would you mind just running us through maybe one or two other ones that may have been a little different than that one? Uh, from a conservation perspective or, or just, um, some of our events and things that we have going on. Uh, kind of talking from conservation right now. I, I want to get to events. That was kind of the next step I was talking about. Um, Absolutely. You know, like um, a, a cleanup or something like that. Well, I know, um, Kevin, I'll, I'll let you jump in here in a second. But I, I would say one of the things that's active right now that, that we're not, we haven't closed the book on is is the Jinx Dam project. And um, so we partnered with um, Trout Unlimited and some other folks, uh, Conservation Coalition of Oklahoma, to have an open forum to discuss the the implementation of a dam at the Jinx Bridge in Tulsa. And um, so for some of you folks on the western part of the state, this may not seem um, like a local issue, but it's a big deal here. And that's, um, they want to install a dam at, at, at the, the Jinx Bridge, which would um, limit some, some spawning habitat. Um, the Department of Wildlife uh, brought in their um, stream specialist to, to sit on the panel and discuss this with us. And um, we had the former biologist for the North, Northeastern region, Josh Johnston, step in and, and he gave his opinion in that panel. Um, we could not get anybody from the dam to come sit, um, but we wanted to just shed light. And it, it wasn't to say that we are opposing the dam. We simply wanted to see the um, impact studies on what that dam would mean for spawning habitat for our striper populations, shovelnose, sturgeon, other animals. Um, so um, we're actively still seeking resolution on that. Um, the city of Tulsa and um, the Creek Nation have put up the money to move forward with that kind of blindly. Um, and, you know, that's leaving out the water quality questions that, um, you know, the, will the water even be safe if you dam it up? Mm -hmm. So um, your, your people that are involved with streams and, and the biologists and that understand stream flow um, have, have some very big concerns and those really aren't being addressed. So um, us with several other organizations that, you know, involve sportsmen and just outdoor enthusiasts, the like, would like to have some questions answered in that. So um, that's something that's on the, still on the plate, you know, where we're actively um, seeking to, to find a resolution on. So that would be something that, that I think, you know, would be worth discussing and talking more about, but mm -hmm. um, it, it's definitely on my mind, you know, as a striper fisherman and somebody enjoys that fishery, it's uh it's concerning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, 
I, I feel like maybe just the, the I would have thought the time has passed. You don't hear many new dam proposals, and so you don't think about this stuff. But <laughs> um, I don't know if y'all are aware, but I, I actually went to school at the University of Idaho. I went to college up there. Um, somebody once told me that college was an excuse of four years of your life to go somewhere different and try new things. And so I chose Idaho. Um, and, but I got to see firsthand a lot of the damage that, you know, the dams have done to the salmon populations up there, the snake river and all that. And right, uh, I actually, right. I actually took a field trip to one of the dams and they had like the ladder where the fish can, you know, supposedly work through it. And, and they had part of it was glass. So you could actually see the salmon going up the mm-hmm. river. Um, but you know, in that same exhibit, they talked about just how big of a negative impact that dam had had on them. And uh, I think they had some some entries from Lewis and Clark from when they went through there. And they said that the salmon were so thick that you could walk across the river without getting wet, just stepping on their back because there's so many salmon in there. Um, I know that quote. That It's, yeah. it's, it's wild. It is. But it you're is. right. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, there's not many dams going up. Uh, it, it seems as though it's a bit of a um you know kind of arcane idea to to step in put new dams in place where uh, you know many folks are tearing them down and mm-hmm. and i and you know i've i've heard several people say uh, you know that this is um as much as as those people want this dam to go up that that our children are going to be tearing it down regardless of what they do mm-hmm. so you know if we can avoid the waste of taxpayer money and you know maybe it isn't a waste of taxpayer money maybe there's a, a benefit but we need to exhibit that to the taxpayers and we need to exhibit that it's not going to be a detriment to our, our public safety and our, and our fisheries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, like I said, I just kind of wanted to, to, to share some more examples of way y'all been helping, but um, y'all both mentioned, uh, you know, events and everything. And so I know y'all do um, some get togethers and some educational stuff. So uh, why don't y'all talk about some of those real quick. Well, Kevin, you've organized our, our next big event, I believe. <laughs> so our next our next event like that is our our deer camp. So we've we've started the last few years trying to host um, some events to allow people to get together, both experienced and uh, inexperienced hunters for different things. Um, and at the end of this month, opening weekend of muzzleloader, we have our Oklahoma chapter of deer camp up at Lake Copan. So we're we're camping at Washington Cove, and then from there, hunters have the option to go out and hunt various different WMAs. So they can hunt, of course, the Copan WMA that's right there. The Hula WMA isn't very far. The Rock Creek WMA is, is about the same distance. And then there's even the archery-only option over at, um, uh, what is that, Osage, Osage Western Wall hmm. is over that way, which is an archery-only WMA. But that's the 27th through uh the 29th and so it's a relaxed event we want kind of like the the classic you know traditional deer camp environment mm-hmm. so we'll we'll meet up on friday hang out we're gonna have some speakers hang out around the campfire have a good time and then saturday and sunday go out and then um austin's even going to offer a little uh learn how to scout for any uh <laughs> new or inexperienced hunters that come out on on saturday should be a really fun event. We've got a good amount of uh, RSVPs and people already signed up for it. It's going to be a good time. Very I cool. think everyone's really excited unless unless they were planning on hunting up there and they just heard there's a bunch of new mugs <laughs> coming up there to, you know, the, 
they're like, oh man, we, we maybe have screwed up. There's going to be some assassins stepping in here. Um, no, but uh, what I can say, and I'll vouch for our guys is, is everybody's very respectful. We're kind of dudes that if you see a truck at the trailhead, they're probably going to go to the next trailhead. Um, they're not going to crowd you. And that's part of the ethic we want to pass on. So um, Kevin talked about Saturday morning. I'm going to do just for some, we have some folks that are, are starting up. We actually have a collegiate chapter that has started at Roger State. Um, where some of those those younger folks that want to learn a little bit on how to get into deer hunting, we're just going to go take a walk in the woods, you know, talk about what a white oak is, talk about what a persimmon is, and talk about everything in between, you know, how to look for the right right sign, um, you know, what what is good etiquette, you know, where if, what to do when you see another hunter, how to handle that situation, um, and just spend a few hours with them and, and give, them some, give them some basic tips that will help them get off the ground we you know barrier entry is hard for folks mm -hmm. and um you know if we're going to add new people into the field let's make sure they do it right and that they are respectful of the resource they're respectful of other hunters and fishermen so that'll be that and then um of course if you come out we'll, we'll have a bowl of deer chili for you and uh, we're gonna be putting on putting on a little deer chili going so i'll be cooking some of that up and yeah we hope you guys can make it out if um if anyone wants to come, it's really easy to find more information on it. You can go to our website at backcountryhuntersandanglers.org or go to our Facebook pages or Instagram. It's a very easy way to keep up with some of that. Um, just to backtrack, I did skip over one event. Next Wednesday, um, we at, um, I believe, Circle Cinema in Tulsa. Um, we're having the IF4 Film Festival. It's a trout film. So if you're a trout fisherman or you enjoy fly fishing at all or you just like hanging out and having a cold one with some like-minded folks and talking about fishing i'm not a fly fisherman i will catch trout with a spinning rod and laugh at the trout guys but uh, <laughs> or fly fishing guys but i'll be there um and uh we're, it'll be a good time so like i said it's a circle cinema next next wednesday the 18th and um we'll have a lot of folks there um so there's there's more information online about that and you can get tickets for that event but um there all of our events generally will have raffle items too um some really cool stuff i i'm a sucker for a good raffle so if you show up to one of our events there's a good chance you're going to be able to pick up a t-shirt um we generally have some pretty pretty cool merch stuff you can wear around and uh and you can you can get you know get your name in the in the raffle to win a, a cool product so um one other event, and I'll kind of talk about this, and that's our annual duck camp with GNH decoys. Uh, we'll hold that on December 15th through the 17th, and that's out at Henrietta. And that's a ticketed event. You'll need to buy tickets online. Those are not up yet, but they will be soon. Um, and we started this last year. We had about 75 tickets sold. We capped it at 75, so we sold it out. Um, so if if you are going to plan to go, keep your eye out for those tickets and get them early. Um, it's just, a, it is what it is. It's a deer camp. We hold it there at GNH on the lawn there. Some folks camp, some pull RVs, some stay at the hotels or Airbnbs in town, whatever works. But it's generally big bonfires at night and cold drinks and, and tall tales. <laughs> um, and then we all break out and we get after those, those public land ducks around the area. You know, you've got, the deep pork bottoms and you follow within a stone's throw of g and h and then um lots more as you go go west and, and east towards sequoia and 
Um, there's just several spots within an hour there that you can get on some public water. And it's not all about killing ducks. It's more about hanging out with folks and, um, you know, spending time talking duck hunting, um, cleaning your shotgun, picking up a new trick. We'll have some vendors there this year. Um, it, it was a, it was a great success last year. The ducks were a little hard. We kind of hit it on a bad lull. Um, we didn't kill as many birds as we'd like to, but even if you're not a seasoned duck hunter and you don't plan to hunt, but you just want to come out and rub elbows with some, some bona fide duck hunters, they'll be there. And, um, you know, I can't guarantee you a spot in the boat, but we can, uh, we can make sure that you get a, get a fellowship and spend some time with some folks that, that know what they're doing and, and, uh, and it'll be a lot of fun. So I believe we're going to be putting on some seminars this year, some basic duck calling, um, maybe decoy spread layouts, things that'll de demystify that for folks that are newer. Um, but more to come on that. Again, that's December 15th through the 17th. It's a Friday, Saturday deal. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll have the details coming soon on that. But it's a lot of fun. We, we had an absolute blast last year. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, uh, the the big reason of why I started this podcast to begin with was because I didn't really grow up in a hunting family. I had some family members that kind of hunted and I had access to land because I grew up in a in a farming and ranching family. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking of that deer camp, you know, I would have loved to have had something like that when I was 16, 17, 18 years old, because I, I had the desire, I just didn't have the knowledge um and you know again that's part of the reason i ran off to, to idaho because i thought i was going to be a mountain man and found out real quick that those public land elk are a lot harder to hunt than a, a private land whitetail um but i was just so eat up with mm. it um but like i mentioned that you know i didn't really grow up in a hunting family another part of that or another thing that i kind of missed out on was that traditional deer camp you know just hanging out um everybody you know going out hunting for the evening coming back telling stories and sitting around the fire i didn't have a lot of that i did a lot of hunting by myself and so um yeah if, if you're listening to this and uh you know maybe you're still unsure needing some help definitely highly recommend that um and yeah the the duck hunting one sounds awesome too um never done much public land duck hunting that's something i've kind of been getting back into in the last year or two doing a little bit more uh duck hunting um, but yeah, some, some really, really cool events. sounds like. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and to talk about deer camp, you know, that was my, the highlight of my year growing up. I, I lose sleep over that. And it's just all about hanging out with people, fellowshipping, sitting around a fire, eating chili, you know, and, and the, hearing the, the, it's all about the stories, you know, you hear the old men and uh, telling stories and, I could go on and on about just how impactful that was for me and, and built character in me that I didn't, didn't even realize until older, you know, what it, it had done for me. And so I'd encourage you guys, if, if you're listening and you want to bring some kids out, it's a family friendly event. Um, we will have fun. We will, you know, cut loose and, and stay up late and, and get up early and, and get after it. Um, we, we really hope to see you out. You have the right to the best wireless service. Bravado Wireless provides the best mobile wireless, high-speed internet, latest devices, and customer service at prices you feel good about. Bravado Wireless strives to put these values first and offer you the best wireless service available. See what they have to offer at bravadowireless.com or one of their retail locations in eastern Oklahoma. 
Let Bravado Wireless connect you to your family, friends, and business partners all over the world. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. There's definitely one topic that I want to cover uh, before I let you guys go, and that is just how people listening can get involved. Uh, and this is the part where I have to admit that uh, I am a BHA member, but not of the Oklahoma chapter. Uh, I originally joined in Iowa, of all places, at the Iowa Deer Classic. And then I believe I'm also part of the Montana one somehow. Um, but so <laughs> so if people are like me and listen to this, and like, hey, this sounds like an awesome organization. How do I get involved? Kevin, I'll let you take that. Well, it sounds like we need to get your uh, your mailing stuff figured out there, John. Get you on yeah, our mailing list for sure. Yep, for sure. Do, do I've already sent the email. We got it. You're okay. welcome, John. Okay, sweet. It's done. <laughs> uh, it's, it's really easy. They can go to um, backcountryhunters.org. There's a, a member page right there um, where they can get signed up and join. We've got a couple different levels of membership. We just ran a really cool promotion last month. And uh, signed up a, a good chunk of uh, brand new members. We're, we're up, I think, near like 250 or something like that for this. I don't know the exact number, but I know we added, uh, I think, close to 40 just in September with that newest um, promotion. But it's uh, it's really easy to get signed up there. Yeah, and, and one thing I'll say is when you do join, generally there's some type of promotion where you're going to get a – a, a public land owner t-shirt or, you know, Gerber knife or whatever it is. Just keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, so it's, it's simple, but org. you can join through our Facebook page. You'll find links and, and Kevin, I'm sure you don't mind throwing up a fresh link after this, just for folks that listen. Um, when we, when we put the podcast up, we can, uh, we can make a link for that. Make, yeah. make that accessible as well. Um, I'd like to, you know, say what, what that means as a member, what you'll get. And, um, obviously you're going to be, you'll be getting our, our newsletter. So, or our newsletter, our magazine. So you'll get a subscription to the magazine. that has got a copy of issues. There's everything from recipes. Um, they're absolutely beautiful. Um, and, uh, I keep one on my, my coffee table at the cabin all the time. So, you know, we're sitting there reading it, but also, um, that money is going to go, um, some to national issues and then some to local issues. So the, the local chapter receives a portion of that. And the national chapter will receive a portion of that. The national chapter is going to apply that towards working on issues like I talked about with the corner crossing. Um, it, maybe it's um, focusing issues that are coming up in Washington, you know, things that we would not have access to from the local state level um, in, in tackling some of those federal issues. Um, at a state level, that's going to go back to conservation. That's going to be events that we have um, that are going directly back into our, our lands and water here in the state. So um, I will take this opportunity to say, if you're wanting to get involved, there's there's many ways you can do that. And what and I'm not simply saying becoming a member is being, being involved. That is a part of it. But getting involved could mean coming out to some of our conservation events. It could mean coming to one of our pint nights and sharing a beer with somebody and, and, and talking about what issues matter to you. Because if somebody doesn't come to me and stand in front of me or call me or email me and tell me what they need help working on in their area, I may not know about it. We may not be able to tackle it as a, as a, as a state chapter. So get involved is sometimes as easy as just having a conversation and making us aware of issues in your area. So we know where to, to put our crosshairs. Um, you know, if you getting involved might be, 
getting to run an event or getting more involved in coordinating your own conservation event will back you up on that. You do not have to be um, any level of member to to coordinate an event and, and set something up. So we're we're always welcoming those ideas, um, and we are uh, always actively looking for new people to be involved in the state board. So we've got a great group of guys. Um, some of them are involved at the state level w- with the Department of Wildlife in a um, in a biologic uh, biologist capacity. Some of them are uh, you know involved on the um, uh, form. One of them's former game warden. Um, our our policy chair Ben Half is a former Wagner County game warden, and he now works with um, GNHD Coys over there and. Um, He's, he's a great resource to us. We've got guys that are, um, you know, involved with, with the uh, BLM and, and doing some fire suppression on, on public land. So we, we've got a very diverse board. I'm not involved in the outdoor industry at all, um, but I'm very passionate about it. So don't think that you have to be in any, any role other than passionate about defending this. And uh, if you are interested in taking a greater role, we, we would welcome that. And we're always looking for new talent and you committed people. So um, I'll say, you know, personally, you can reach out to me um, or you can reach out to Kevin and we'd be glad to talk more with you about that. Awesome, fellas. Awesome. Well, I know we're kind of coming up on time here, but uh, I wanted to give you all a chance just in case that, you know, I missed something. Is there any topics or anything that y'all want to say that I might have might have forgot about any other, you know, like maybe a big springtime event or something y'all want to go ahead and throw out there? Just anything we might have missed. I don't think for the spring we really have all of our our 2024 events lined out yet. I, I mean, personally, I would like to say to just kind of reiterate what Austin said. Just come give us a chance. Um, come to an event and see what you think um, and make up your mind from there. I know, like, it's easy sometimes. I come from a background of a non-experienced hunter, and it's easy to think, like, for that deer camp, like, I don't know if I want to go to that. I don't really know what I'm doing. That's exactly who it's for. Experienced or not experienced. Like for me, when I joined BHA, like I didn't know a lot. I joined because I lost my, my private land access and started hunting public land. I thought I need to help protect this and I need to learn some stuff. And then now it's put me in this role, but of just meeting great guys and learning along the way. And now I can say that, you know, some of the people I've met being a part of BHA are some of my best friends and closest hunting buddies. I didn't plan for that going in, but that's how it's, it's worked out. So I'm not saying you got to come find all your hunting buddies, but come give us a chance and see, you'll see that we're, we're for real and uh, what we're doing matters. I, uh, I agree hundred percent, Kevin. And, you know, Kevin does a lot for this chapter in the state. So, I mean, I'll, I'll say here in front of everybody, he's a, he's a good man. And, and, uh, it, and that, that's really what I want to get at is if, if you're out enjoying the outdoors in Oklahoma, you're enjoying hunting, fishing, you, you know, you go to our local lakes and rivers, whatever it is, if you're a birder and you're not giving back in some capacity, then uh, this would be my challenge to you to just devote a little bit of your time. It doesn't take much. Devote a little bit of your time to get involved. Look into it. It doesn't have to be our organization. Any There's a ton of organizations out there that you're passionate about. But don't be a hypocrite. Don't enjoy this thing that we have and not get out there and protect it. That that would be my challenge to you. Put your money where your mouth is. Be an oaky, you know, grow a backbone and get out there and do the work. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. 
Well, Kevin and Austin, thank you guys so much for coming on. Like I said, I, I'm almost ashamed it took me this long to, to reach out to you guys and get you on, but very, very glad that you did. Um, so yeah, I'll be sure to um, to let you guys know in this post and everything. And again, I just can't thank y'all enough. And so thank you for coming on and we will talk to y'all next time. Hey, thanks for the time, John. Take care. Thanks, John. There we go. Thank you, Kevin and Austin, for coming on and just telling us a little bit more about the organization. Huge, huge supporter of BHA. Uh, really, you guys need to look into supporting them, going out to some of their events, learning from them, helping others learn anything you can do to help. Definitely, definitely look into backcountry hunters and anglers. So uh, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you guys for tuning in. We got a lot more content coming up. Deer season's in full swing. It'll be waterfowl season before we know it. Um, just a very, very, very exciting time of year. So that's going to do it for this week. Thank you guys for tuning in. And until next time, I will see y'all right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast.